Alrighty. Well, hey there, friends. Welcome to episode number two of the Girl with an Art History Degree podcast. I'm Hannah, the Girl with the Art History Degree here, and today I'm going to be giving you a rundown and run-through of my art history degree and museum study minor. Alright, so before I say our little prayer, um, for those of you who don't follow the Girl with the Art History Degree, or who I didn't reach out to personally. Um, I had a bit of a family emergency on Monday, and so the podcast episode was supposed to be released on Tuesday, had a bit of a delay um, by about a day and a half. Um, but then as I was listening to it kind of on, on Tuesday and then on Wednesday, um, I don't know, it just wasn't feeling right. Um, it was feeling of flat like I was holding back on all these good things that I could be saying and just listing off a bunch of classes because I didn't want to go too long or you know have it get boring for you all to listen to but it's kind of exactly what ended up happening so um prayed about it thought about it and I just scrapped the episode and decided to just kind of start over um and so now I'm here and recording this and we will see how things go um so yeah, so I guess now we can pray our St. Thomas Aquinas prayer to start the episode off and put the up on the screen. Um, so yeah, so if you're a praying person, I'll just ask you to join in with me. Um, if you're listening on the podcast um, platform, then I'll put the words down in the show notes. Um, so yeah, if you'll just pray with me real quick. Awesome. So in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Grant, O merciful God, that I may ardently desire, prudently examine, truthfully acknowledge, and perfectly accomplish what is pleasing to thee for the praise and glory of thy name. St. Joseph of Cupertino, pray for us. In the name of the Father, the Son. You know, St. Joseph of, Joseph of Cupertino, today's his feast day, um, and he was almost my confirmation saint, believe it or not. Um... Yeah, I had this like weird just desire to go into the Air Force in middle school, all throughout middle school for years. And so he is a patron saint of airmen or aviation, one of the two. Um, so yeah, but I didn't go into the Air Force, so he wasn't my patron saint. And it was Veronica instead. So that's cool. I like Veronica. So like I said, in this episode, I'm going to walk you through my art history degree from start to finish. Um, I'll explain kind of all the requirements in my art history bachelor's degree program as well as the requirements for my museum studies minor at my university, um, the University of St. Thomas in Minnesota. And then for the rest of the episode, I'm going to go through and describe each of the classes that I've taken for my degree and the topics that they've covered. And then I'll also mention kind of the final projects that I did and some of the papers that I wrote along the way. And, you know, Hopefully it'll be interesting and engaging for you. The episode is going to run on the longer side. Um, I'm guessing an hour, maybe a little over. Um, so if it does start to get boring for you or sounds repetitive or whatever, um, totally understandable. No judgment. I get it. Um, and just keep in mind, this episode's probably going to be the most helpful for those who are either looking to study or already are studying art history or museum studies. Um, and then for those of you who just, you know, want to 
know more about what studying these things looks like or more about, you know, me and my academic career and experiences, then I hope you can find the content just as engaging and enjoyable. And yeah, so you can always break it up into two bits, you know, watch half now, half later if it gets to be too long. Um, so before I get into actually discussing my history degree, though, I wanted to take just a few minutes here to kind of define and explain what exactly art history is and what museum studies is, because I I think even for somebody who is studying these things, um, it can be difficult to really nail down a definition and feel confident in it, that it kind of is covering everything and conveys what you know art history is. Um, I know personally that any definition I come across that isn't like a whole paragraph long seems grossly insufficient to all that art history is and all that it encompasses and influences and just all the things. Um, but with that said, I do think that it's beneficial, um, particularly for anybody who's new to the field of art history, to just kind of get back to the basics and make sure we're all on the same page as to what our starting point is and kind of the foundation that we're going to be building upon um, throughout this podcast, I guess. Um, so if you were to go to Google and just search what is art history, um, the definition that comes up is the academic study and development of painting, sculpture, and the other visual arts. So I guess I'm okay with this as a definition. I definitely am not satisfied with it. I think it's not that great to actually um, help someone who truly wants to understand or learn about art history. Um, so let's just see if we can add some layers to this and find a better definition with which to work. Okay, so I'm going to break all the academic rules here, disclaimer. So if you like went to Wikipedia or Britannica, basic sites like that, um, which can be helpful when you're first learning about a topic, um, just to get kind of basic information, um, it's okay, but just don't do it when you're actually writing a legitimate paper on anything. Just go to those peer-reviewed sources, please, as somebody who wants to be a professor, please. Go to the proper sources to get legitimate information that you know is verified. So yeah, there's my little adult tidbit suggestion. Um, but anyway, so Wikipedia does actually have a surprisingly thorough definition um, for art history. Um, I think it's at least thorough for our purposes here on the podcast. Um, and so it describes art history as the study of aesthetic objects and visual expression in historical and stylistic context. And then it goes on to say that art history has traditionally emphasized painting, drawing, sculpture, architecture, ceramics, and decorative arts. So like all the stuff that's traditionally been considered fine arts. Um, yet today, the field of art history examines broader aspects of visual culture, including the various visual and conceptual outcomes related to an ever-evolving definition of art. Definitely evolving, y'all. Um, some might say that's problematic, but I will save that for another episode. But so art history <laughs> encompasses the study of objects created by different cultures around the world and throughout history that convey meaning, importance, or serve usefulness primarily through visual means. Okay, well, so I think that explanation is pretty satisfactory for kind of a basic working definition of art history. Um, 
certainly a better place to start from than that one-liner that Google came up with. Um, that's for sure. But I mean, it is a paragraph, so it's got some meat to it. Makes sense. It sounds better. Um, but I think you'll notice kind of as you learn more about art history and, you know, spend time listening to podcasts, um, you'll be able to kind of build on that definition and use more of what you've learned and kind of your perspectives and understanding to articulate it by and for yourself. And, you know, hopefully I can also inspire you to um, just seek out and become more aware of art and art history beyond the podcast, um, whether that's through books or, you know, other podcasts on Instagram, um, different websites, Pinterest stuff, documentaries, films, TV, going to museums. You know, we love museums. Museums are great. Um, you'll love them too. If you just go and like listen to a few episodes of the podcast, it's museums are amazing. Um, but yeah, all those things. Um, I'm actually working on starting a resource and recommendation list document spreadsheet kind of thing, um, which I'll figure out how to make available to y'all soon once I get some more things added to it. Um, and then I'll also be adding things to my Instagram highlights. So make sure that you go follow me on Instagram at girl with an art history degree to access all that and stay up to date on all the podcast stuff, um, all that stuff. And then I guess kind of last thing before we actually get back to the episode, since I'm clearly on a tangent here. Um, I'm also thinking about possibly launching a website soon for, you know, to put all the things that I talk about on the podcast, put images up and kind of keep everything in one centralized location. Um, but that's probably going to have to be done in between like my GRE prep over the next month. Um, so you can just kind of file that in the back of your mind as something that is coming up. Um, but so back to the episode. Um, so we have our definition of art history. Thankfully, museum studies is much more straightforward. Um, so museum studies or museology is just that, the study of museums. It explores um, the history of museums and their role in society, um, the kind of activities and initiatives that they engage in, including um, curating objects, conservation and preservation, um, public programming, community service, education, among other things. And then it also investigates the philosophy, mission, um, and functions of museums. And that kind of can be broadly defined to include things like art, science, history, um, specialized museums. And I mean, there are a ton of other types. If I were to go in, it would take two minutes, but um, I'll kind of get into that in future episodes when I talk about kind of the origins of museum studies and where they museums actually kind of got their start in history. But so I think that's a good enough definition for now where we're at. Um, so cool. So now I'm going to kind of transition and start to go through all the requirements for my art history program and museum studies minor at the University of St. Thomas. And then I'll go through classes that I've taken. So there will be some variance between different programs at different colleges and universities as to the credit requirements that you need to take to get your degree. But from the handful of programs that I myself have looked at, there's a lot of overlap in terms of the topics that students are required to study. So if you are somebody who is looking to study art history or museum studies in college, but you know are still browsing for schools, I just like highly suggest that you take a really deep dive into the program requirements and see what kinds of courses you'll have to take and subjects you'll be learning about. And then also um, 
what courses you can take, what topics you can choose to learn about that will fulfill requirements within your degree. Because, you know, there are some programs out there that are very kind of isolated in terms of the topics that they cover. Um, like some programs are very Eurocentric, Western-centric, and then others are the complete opposite where they kind of don't have any classes or requirements or they are just like bare minimum on um, that area of art history. And so just look into that. Um, and then also just be aware um, and look into all of the things that the program offers you outside of the classroom. You know, like, are there internships that you can put towards your studies? Um, will you be able to work directly with museums or nonprofits or art objects at all? Um, will you have the opportunity to do an independent study and work with a professor to explore some topic of your choosing? Um, all these kinds of things really do make a big difference in just the quality of your time and experience in earning your degree. And so just make sure if you're looking, you know, into studying art history or museums, just make sure that you look at those things before you, I mean, any degree, but, you know, just look into it, you know, make sure you know you're doing your homework and are choosing a program that's a good fit for you. But as to the requirements that I had to meet for the art history program at St. Thomas, there are um, three core classes that I had to take, which are meant to help students kind of develop their foundational knowledge of art history and its methods, um, and then also give them an opportunity to put all that into practice. And so these three core classes were um, the introduction to art history, methods and approaches to art history, and then you have your senior capstone project. And then in addition to these three core classes, um, students are required to take 24 additional credits that will kind of look at and examine art from the beginning of time to the present in classes that focus on a diverse range of topics from, you know, art of Asia, Mesoamerica, um, the Pacific, um, Africa and the African diaspora. We have type design classes, photography, museums, architecture, all the things. You have a lot to choose from in terms of topics. And then I guess to give you a breakdown of what those 24 credits looks like, you have an eight credit requirement, which is typically going to be like two full semester classes, though there are more and more two credit classes that students are taking. But these have to be taken from um, two out of three categories of ancient, medieval, or Renaissance and Baroque art. And then you also need eight credits of global art, four credits of modern art, four credits of media studies, and then four credits doing either an independent study, um, study abroad course, studio art class, I think that counts as one, and then um, experiential learning, which is just like an internship somewhere. Um, so those are the requirements for the art history degree. And then for the museum studies program at St. Thomas, on its website, it kind of describes it as an interdisciplinary program that combines both like the theoretical basis of museums and kind of how they got their start. And then also practical experience in the form of internships, um, field trips to museums, and then kind of focused directed research projects that give students a foundation um, for working in a university, in public or private museums, um, in this kind of profession that is becoming bigger and bigger over time. It's an awesome program if you want to come to Minnesota for school. I highly recommend checking out the program. It's a really unique opportunity and I mean most students, unless they have like some weird aversion or I don't know, distaste for museums or school in general, um, everybody has a really fun time and learns a lot. And 
the classes are great. It's easy to kind of fit the requirements into your degree and pair it with, you can pair it with pretty much any other major or minor um, students and often double dip the classes and have a class count for something in the museum studies minor and then a class for their major or one of their general requirements. So it's awesome. I 10 out of 10 recommend you go into it if you're interested in museums. I'm kind of digressing here. So um, the museum studies minor to talk about the requirements has two core requirements and then there are 12 additional credits that need to be taken. And so these additional credits are really where the interdisciplinary nature of the minor really kind of comes through and shines because I think there are over 40 different class options that you can take to count towards these 12 credits, but only three of them are, de are designated as art history classes. And even then, they're like an independent study or I think a two credit or four credit internship. So it's a super versatile program, um, really easy to go through and you learn a lot both Practically, you know, like real life professional knowledge and skills, as well as knowledge about history and organization and nature of museums and society, both in the past and today. So yeah, it's really great, awesome interdisciplinary study. Um, so then if we kind of break down the 12 credits here, like we did with the art history degree, um, so you have to take four credits in the category of business communications and social science. And so the goal of this requirement is to just kind of have you explore the administrative, tech-based, and kind of like communication strategy and initiative aspects of the museum field through the perspectives of business and social science and communications, things like this. So I took a Kojo class for this, communications and journalism, on visual communication, um, but students can take classes in business ethics, marketing, um, sociology, psychology. I think entrepreneurship counts as this in this category as well. Um, so a lot of different things that you can take towards this section. And then you also need to take four credits in the category of arts, humanities, and education. And this is to explore kind of either individualized projects. Um, so that's kind of like independent studies, internships, things like that. And then also writing and visitor-centered topics from the perspective of the arts, humanities, and education. And so for this one, I actually did an independent study, um, but I could have taken a class in like music, history, English, um, education, and have it count for this one. And then the remaining four credits can be taken from either of these two categories. And I somehow got a biology class to count here. Um, that was amazing. I mean, it was a study abroad class like on... I think it was called like the doctor, the grave robber, and the artist. And so we went to museums looking at kind of how the body was represented and how these kind of like scientific and anatomical kind of revolutionary ideas were kind of worked through as well as art, you know, developments and history kind of using their visual skills and um, observation, things like this. So it fit. I mean, I definitely, we went to a lot of museums, so it makes sense. It's not like I just like got, you know over some like random class for it, but it was great. So um, now I guess I'm going to transition and go through and describe each of the classes that I've taken as a part of my art history degree. And definitely make sure you go and check out my Instagram page, either as you listen or after, because um, I'll be posting some photos of the experiences and final projects that I'll be mentioning throughout the rest of the episode. So yeah, just make sure to check that out. So in the fall of 2016, which is my very first semester at St. Thomas, 
I had already indicated my intentions to major in art history and so I right away was put into the first core requirement for the major, um, the introduction art history class. And I was honestly kind of expecting an intro to art history class to kind of cover all the bases and like go over some kind of timeline. I don't even know. And I don't know why I had this expectation because like the courses that I constructed and took in high school were all very much like topic focused or like looking at a different period or region even. Yeah, I don't know exactly why I had this idea, but definitely was not, um, or should it be what the intro art history class was. Um, so each art history prof kind of decides on which topics to focus depending on what their interests are and what kind of their research focuses are. But the professor that I had uh, divided the class into three different sections. And so the first section focused on museums, kind of going through the history and critical visiting, um, curating, and kind of how to describe art and write labels, things that were really helpful just for writing papers and also just, you know, my academic career in general. And this was actually a professor who helped to kind of pioneer the museum studies program at St. Thomas. And so she played a big role in kind of why I became interested in wanting to study museums and not just visit them. And um, just helped me to become a much more conscious and engaged and critical museum visitor. Um, so in the other section, the second section, I don't actually know if that if this is the right order of the class, but you get the idea doesn't really matter the order but here we are so the second section focused on arts of the pacific northwest um in america and in north america um including canada so also north america um but this i think section was the most fascinating for me um some of my immediate family members are native american and i thought it was so interesting and fascinating to learn about all of the ritual and heritage and symbolism and spirituality that inspires and is just ingrained in the production of visual objects in these indigenous groups and and it was just so cool to see how it kind of persisted and evolved over time um, from different artists and generations and generations of people passing down these kind of visual traditions and skills of making art so that was cool and then the third section the final section focused on japanese art and so we learned about Japanese tea ceremonies, um, woodblock prints, the tale of Genji. Um, we talked about different kind of types of panels and iconography, symbolism of you know animals and um, different flowers and plants. Um, we talked about perspectival techniques. Um, I mean, we covered a lot, you know. Um, it's actually kind of surprising when you look back how much you can fit into a semester, yet also feel like you barely scratched the surface of whatever you were talking about. So, yeah, I mean, I love the class. I learned a lot. It was a great intro to studying art history and learning about different kind of topics that, you know, we discussed in museums and that. Then the, the second semester of my freshman year, I took a class on Southern Renaissance art, which fulfilled the Renaissance and Baroque category requirement for my major and this was probably one of the most influential classes that I've taken at St. Thomas, um, just because of the fire that it sparked inside of me. Um, yeah, I'll explain that in a minute. But so if you've heard of the Northern Renaissance, the designation Southern Renaissance art probably makes a bit more sense. The Northern Renaissance began 
again like about the early 1400s 1430s in european countries north of the alps in europe and so they were directly inspired by this kind of new renaissance art that had emerged in italy um the century before that everyone could clearly tell really had kind of ushered in this new period this new movement in the creation and production of art so the class covered art and architecture produced in southern Europe. Um, I mean, we focused on Portugal, Spain, and obviously Italy from about 1300 to um, the end of the 1600s, about. So um, yeah, it was a fun, interesting class. Um, the professor was from Missouri, and he had this really low and deep and voice with a really kind of thick accent. Um, but that definitely didn't help everybody who was sitting in the classroom at 8 a.m. tired, which is most people most days. Um, but he was just a super fun professor, um, kind of quirky and eccentric. And he had a ton of stories and jokes to tell to everybody all the time and just had all this knowledge and wisdom to share. Like, I don't think there was a question throughout the entire semester that he didn't figure out how to answer, which is saying something because like when you have or five art history majors in a class like we asked a lot of questions so he definitely um was a great professor to have and it was pretty normal um art history class in terms of like the quizzes and assignments we had a midterm and a final exam and he had a mixture of the usual kind of simple image identifications and fill in the blanks to write down like titles of different artworks um artists dates or ranges of dates the location of objects and then we also had short answer questions which were a few sentences um short paragraph long and then essay questions which were more like four or five paragraphs and then for our our big project that we worked on throughout the semester which culminated in a final 10 to 15 page research paper um, we had to select a topic and then kind of compile a bibliography of sources and then we had to outline a, a draft and then give a 10 minute presentation kind of on the topic that we chose. So we had to have our topic selected for this paper, I believe the end of the first week of class, which I mean was a daunting task to assign students, especially for an art history person. Um, I mean, like how do you select a topic that you're going to work on for the next four months when you haven't really started studying the subject? And also on top of that, like, you have three countries and three centuries with which to work and choose something from. So yeah, it was a lot. I don't think I turned in my topic selection or approval until like literally the last possible hour. I had spent like an entire week flipping the whole week, flipping through our textbook and checking out books in the library, talking to friends. I think I even was searching Google like Renaissance art research paper topics. Um, I was pretty desperate. Like couldn't find something, nothing was jumping out at me, nothing seemed interesting enough to really want to commit to, or like if I would find something, then like the next day I would be like, I don't really want to write a whole paper on that. So it's just a long process of trying to figure out what I was going to write in this class. And then I think it was the night that I had to email the professor with my decision. I was sitting in our student center on campus. It was like seven o'clock, eight o'clock at night. I don't know. It was dark outside already. And I was flipping through our textbook for the last time I told myself, and I was like, you just have to decide on something. It doesn't matter what it is at this point. You just need something to email the professor. 
And I guess you could say this is the point of the story where Providence really stepped in. Because, yeah, I was flipping through that textbook. And, I mean, I had flipped through it like 10 times already. And I was just trying to scan the pages, hoping to find something that just popped out at me. And as I was just sitting there flipping through, like, please, like, let me find something. I just was, like, stopped in my tracks on this one page about a quarter of the way through this textbook. And, yeah, on this page was just a set of doors. It had 28 small gilt bronze panels depicting scenes from the life of Christ. They were carved in relief and set in these quatrefoil frames. And they were outlined by ornate foliage and forest critters and these miniature portrait busts. And then all enclosed within this like thick forest green frieze. And that was decorated with even more carved foliage and animals. And as soon as I stopped on that page, like, I knew that was the piece I was going to write my paper on. Like, no joke. I was like, this is it. Boom. Okay, we're ready to go. Um, but then I read the caption under the photo. <laughs> it just said, Lorenzo Cuberti, North Doors, 1403 to 1424, Gilt Bronze, Baptistry Florence. Although originally on the east side of the building... These doors were transferred to the north side in 1454 when Ghiberti completed another set to face the cathedral entrance. I read that and I was like, whoa, 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 hold up. You're telling me that he made another set of doors and the set that I just spent 10 minutes studying intensely, probably hunched over looking like a weirdo in the middle of the student center, was moved to make room for this other set that was going to occupy the most important and symbolic and significant side of the building. What? So, I mean, obviously, like, I had to see what these other set of doors looked like. So I flipped to the index of the book, found Ghiberti's name, wrote down the page number, and turned to that. <laughs> Y'all. So... I think when I flipped this page, like, I sat back in my chair. Like, I don't know. It was crazy. Like, I remember where I was sitting. I remember, like, the drink that I was drinking. I remember, like, I had a red shirt on and I'm pretty sure a white beanie. This was, like, a no joke, like, almost religious experience for me. And I think I even posted a picture of it on Snapchat because I was so, like, taken aback. And... I'll have to see if I can find it and post it on Instagram. Um, but oh my goodness, the second set of doors was so beautiful and striking, y'all. It was all gilt bronze like the other set of doors, um, so it looks like gold. But it had clearly been weathered from being subject to the elements from being outside on this baptistry building for 600 years. And the second set, which are referred to as the Gates of Paradise, there are 10 30-inch square reliefs. That are like canvases that depict all these scenes from the Old Testament that we learn about when we're kids. And they depart from the schema of the first set. So you don't have these quatrefoil frames. And a quatrefoil frame, it, it looks like a four-leaf clover that's been kind of stacked on top of a square or diamond. So it has like the four round elements and then like little corner um, sticking out between the round parts. 
if that makes sense. But so the reliefs in this second set, oh my goodness, y'all, like just spill over the edges and literally amazing. It's like rockative and depth and architecture and nature and like all these layers of stories and people. And it's just beautiful, seriously. Find a picture, look it up, okay? But then on these panels, or around these panels, surrounding them, you have all these little medallions with protruding portrait busts. And those are nestled between these ornate little like arched niches with full-length statuettes of men and women from the Old Testament. And there's just like this visual order and repetition and contrast and life and iconography and faith and tradition. Oh my word. Like I could go on and on. Literally I could. Um, but it was amazing. So I fell in love with these doors like instantly, both of them. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah, I don't like using the term favorite when it comes to art. I think it's just like, I don't know. Like you don't ask a parent who their favorite child is. But, like why ask me as an art historian what my favorite piece of art is? Like, I know those examples don't exactly match up and like obviously children are much more sacred and valuable and individual than art. But I don't know, at least for me, art is just this dynamic force, you know, like each work is unique for dozens of different reasons. Um, they all have their own story and their own meaning and will just hit you like a Mack truck in a completely different way at different times for different reasons. And yeah, the doors were that, like they just, without a doubt, like have made the biggest, most lasting impact on me out of everything that I have learned and looked at and studied over the last four plus years. It was amazing. Like in the first episode of the podcast, if you listen to that, like when I talked about how your joy and passion becomes contagious when you share what you love with those around you, like I was talking about these doors. I studied both of them and the rest of Ghiberti's work in my Southern Renaissance art class and I think I purchased like five or six books. My mom got me a set of books um, just about these doors to do research and because art books are amazing, you know, like if you're ever stuck on what kind of gift to give somebody who's in art history or studying art, like books will never fail you ever. Seriously, like kid in a candy store is me in the art section of a bookstore. Like you can never go wrong getting somebody a book when they're studying art history. And you just have to ask them what they like and they'll just like ramble and tell you all about it. So it's super easy. Great gift idea. But I am definitely digressing. So in the class, I had this research paper to write and I ended up writing a 28 page paper. And I just had like all this knowledge and passion and fire and like excitement inside of me for these doors and this artist and just telling people about them. I mean, like, if you talk to any of my friends or family members and mention the doors, like, they'll know who and what you're talking about. When I studied abroad in Rome, actually, um, studied abroad for a semester in Rome through the Catholic Studies Department at my university, which I'll kind of get into a bit later. But because I was so outspoken and passionate about art and, like, these doors, and I told everybody about them, like, before we went on a trip to Florence, like, People started noticing art more and noticing it more intentionally. 
like people would come up and tell me about their experiences when they would go to a museum or they found this particular statue or painting or whatever that they really liked. They would come and tell me about it and be like, I had this epiphany staring at a painting for 15 minutes. Like, holy cow. And like, because I was the only person who knew a lot about art and was actually studying it, if they had questions, like they would always come to me um, when we were prepping and studying for all of our exams. Like we had these little 15 person study sessions in a coffee shop and just kind of go through the study guide together. It was amazing. Like, oh my goodness. So this class was amazing. Taught me so much. Like I thought that I loved art history before and just after it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how else to describe it other than I just had this fire and passion that was lit inside of me that just has not really diminished or gone away since. Um, so yeah, well, well, I made it through two out of eight semesters. I don't know what it's been like. 20 minutes, half an hour, something like that. Yeah. Yep. That's me. I'm like Jordan Peterson talking about God as Father. You just go on and on and then you're like, where is the time gone? Cool. Well, oh boy. Um, I won't spend this much time describing the other classes. Um, I'll breeze through some and spend a few more minutes um, on others, but definitely thought this one was more important to really dive into. So yeah, thanks for listening to me fangirl over some doors for 10 minutes. And then in the fall semester of my sophomore year, in 2017, I took a class on global photography, which fulfilled four out of the eight credits of the global art course requirements. And the goal of this class was to build a foundational knowledge of the study and the history of photography from a global perspective since its invention. Y'all hear that honk? Somebody was mad, obviously. So covering the study and history of photography from a global perspective since its invention start in the 1830s until today. And so the first half of the semester was more of this kind of introductory overview to the history of photography. And then the second half of the semester was divided into three modules and we looked at portrait photography, documentary photography, and then landscape photography, kind of the main three genres. And um, it was a super fun, informative, and just hands-on class. Um, we had a lot of, yeah, hands-on assignments where we actually, like, went out and did things. Um, so I think the first week of class it was we made our own blue, I think it's pronounced cyanotype. If I get that wrong, I apologize. But made these, like, blue images by placing little random objects on this light-sensitive paper outside. And it created, like, an outline. That was, like, one of the earliest, earliest um working towards um, photo paper and we went to Mia our local art museum and institution we looked at photographs in their collection like they took these things out that were like 200 years old and we got to look at them so cool museum collections are amazing like if you ever get the chance to go inside and look at one do it for sure we did these online scavenger hunts all the time where we would have to Kind of find a photograph or like an image or event something related to what we were discussing in class on a given week and then write a short reflection on it we created a mock photography exhibition that was a lot of fun but i think my favorite assignments in the class were these photo reflections that we had to do there were three over the course of the semester at different times and we essentially were given the opportunity to create three different digital photographs that were inspired by or referenced a photograph or artist or body of photography that we studied in class. 
and then to accompany the images images that we created we had to write a short reflective essay and then give a five minute presentation to the class just kind of why we took the photo um, how we went about doing it and kind of the effect that we wanted to have through this photograph um, so yeah and then with the final project in the class um, students were actually given the opportunity and freedom to create their own assignment with the professor's approval of course um, but some students did I think a research paper, um, some did more photo reflections, kind of creating a larger portfolio of images inspired by what we studied in, cl studied in class. Some people did another exhibition, kind of focusing on some other theme or genre or artist of their choosing. And that's what I did for my final project. So I created an exhibition just focusing on um, the work of female photographers, because I definitely noticed a lack in that over the semester of just women who have been recognized as photographers throughout history or who have had the opportunity to become photographers. So yeah, that's what I devoted my final exhibition project to. Yeah, so it's just a fun class, very informative and engaging. And then also in this fall semester in 2017, um, I took methods and approaches to art history, which is that second core requirement in the major. And this class just examined kind of how we as art historians research, analyze, and interpret art. So each week we surveyed a different kind of method or approach of doing these things, of doing and practicing art history. And I think we began with the basic kind of formal and stylistic analysis, which is just kind of considering the physical, material, and visual qualities of an object um, without regarding anything related to its context or meaning. So it's just strict visual description. And then we moved on to methods that do consider and discern kind of the meaning and context in which works of art and architecture are created and exist and are experienced. And some of the methodologies that we studied and looked at were um, iconography and semiotics, uh, structuralism, post-structuralism and deconstruction, ideology and Marxism and social art history, um, feminism and other identity perspectives, psychoanalysis, um, anthropological approaches, and post-colonialism. I think those were all the ones that we covered. Um, but so then for each class each week, um, we had to write a one-page methodology summary that defined the goal of the methodology, um, kind of listed key figures in its development, provided the kind of procedure or steps and terminology that you would use in your actual application of it. And then um, your kind of the evidence and information that you would need to know in order to apply the method successfully. And then also kind of the critical problems or flaws that are inherent to the method that would impact the quality of your level of analysis. And then in addition to these summaries, we had to write a five-page contextual analysis paper on a work of art um, where we had to use a few of the different methods in order to kind of analyze it and assess it and understand it. We wrote a five-page style and meaning analysis paper, um, and that was kind of broken up into two pieces over the course of the semester, um, one analyzing an art object's formal and stylistic qualities. So again, just like that strict visual describing what this object looked lo looks like and then the other was the contextual side you know like 
understanding the its possible meanings, looking at what the different visual elements mean in relation to each other and relation to where it was made, who made it, um, where it was made to be placed, things like this. And then another key kind of component of the class was our discussion on ethics. So we had an ethics assignment for this where we were given a case study that we had to research and define the ethical dilemma and then essentially kind of offer up a possible course of resolution based on contemporary best practices and ethical practices and principles, which was great. Um, just practically, I still use and recall all of these ethical princes, principles actually when I'm doing research um, or discussing certain, let's say, provenance issues about art objects today. Happens a lot right now. Or just like reading articles talking about museums or objects or things that were returned or repatriated, um, all these kinds of things. Like this information is in the back of my mind, always there ready for me to, um, you know, pull out. So yeah, just greatly informed my art historical perspective and lens and just knowledge. This was one of my favorite classes. Um, I feel like I've said that about every class so far, but you know what? All amazing, but it's fine. But I think there are three main reasons why this definitely is up there in the top, let's say, five classes that I've taken. First reason, I guess, because um, the class was a blended grad undergrad class. So we had 10 graduate students and then there were six other undergrad art history students. And I mean, that was such a fruitful and fortifying and enriching and enlightening four months of a class. I learned so much from the grad students and we had these great conversations before classes and good discussions during. Um, they were so helpful and willing to offer guidance and give good feedback and constructive criticism on assignments. Um, they never made anybody feel like any of the undergrads feel like, you know, they didn't have as much knowledge or they weren't as experienced, like they couldn't contribute just as much. Um, they were just amazing, amazing people. We had the best, really healthy and encouraging dynamic between peers, both in and out of the classroom and just like support for one another, you know, like it was great. Um, so encouraging. Their wisdom and experience definitely rubbed off in classes and um, just so great to work alongside them. And, you know, since then, like we were friends on Facebook, Instagram, all the things. And like when we see each other at art history events or around campus or around the Twin Cities, like we always chat and catch up, like it's very friendly. Um, yeah, art history is great at building relationships. So that was awesome. And then the second reason which is wrapped up with the third. So there are two professors that teach methods. Um, one of them was Dr. William Barnes. Everybody calls him Andy though. I haven't quite figured out why. And then Dr. Heather Shirey, both amazing people. They had such a great class dynamic as just friends and colleagues, um, cracking jokes all the time. Like they would share personal stories like about their families or home, like things that they researched or school experience. Um, shared all these art history anecdotes. They would bounce ideas off of each other and just like get these funny tangents going and have whole conversations. Um, just amazing. Like I love the class so much. This was like the first class that I had been in where I actually went to class every week, like expecting to have a fun time. I think it's saying something because like it was a three hour class that met on Monday nights. Um, so it definitely could have been worse, but it wasn't. It was great absolutely amazing. And then the third reason why Methods was one of my favorite classes. 
was because this was when I came to the full realization that I wanted to become a professor and teach art history. And I say full realization because I think, like looking back, I think the calling kind of broke through the surface in the Southern Renaissance art class. And and I had this really like big growing passion and desire for art history, but I didn't yet know exactly where it was going to go, where it was going to lead me, um, and kind of where it was going to be directed to. And I think methods just kind of clarified all of that for me, that whole semester, just like seeing these professors in action and just, um, yeah, I don't know. I saw something of myself and just like a glimpse of my future in these grad students that I got to know. And then in these two professors who just emanated like this authentic joy and confidence and passion for art history and for teaching others about this field that they chose to dedicate their entire careers to. And yeah, that's that's what I wanted. You know, that's what I that's what I saw. That's what I felt called to. And so, yeah, the semester was just really transformative in my academic career and just like life in general and just learning more about where God has called me to be in life and what I'm called to do. And yeah, my future. It's a crazy thing, you know, when you see and you kind of have that click in your brain of just like, this is it, you know? So that was amazing. Just awesome. I love it. And then in the spring semester of my sophomore year, so this was 2018, I studied abroad in Rome for a semester. Um, I might do an episode just on this whole class experience and have a friend or my sister on with me who was there. But all the students take an art history class as part of the semester. It's one of the four classes that you take when you're in Rome. And um, the course focuses on the history of Christian art and architecture in Rome. And for me, I guess this class um, was designated as the four credits of ancient art to go along with the other four in like the ancient medieval renaissance and baroque categories but it really was like this all-encompassing just like all-inclusive course we cover the history of christian art and architecture from the early couple centuries of christianity when art and churches were like forced underground because of persecution campaigns against christian like against christians um and then all the way to contemporary art and churches made within even like the last few decades like it covered everything really. It was amazing. Oh my gosh. And yeah, I guess like I'll make a quick side note because the thought came up. Um, If you are a student in college right now or going to be, I cannot recommend studying abroad enough to you. Like, please do it. I am the kind of person who believes that taking a study abroad course in another country should be a part of the gen recs at every liberal arts university, if not at every university period especially in America, like we need to get more cultured people and um, the things you learn about yourself and the world, about history, politics, art, other cultures, other people, the skills that you gain and all the ways that you grow or I mean, at least hopefully you grow. Not everybody does, but hopefully you grow into just like a better, more well-rounded human being in society. You can't pass it up, you know? So if you have the chance, study abroad just go. Seriously, go. I promise you that you won't regret it. It will be a once-in-a-lifetime experience and opportunity for you. And yeah, it was for me and every other student who studied abroad that I've talked to all say, 
it was amazing. Even if there were all these moments that maybe you could be like, yeah, it could have gone better, like transformative, you know? It really does just change how you view the world and how you view kind of your relationship with other people. So do it. There's my tangent, little um, sales pitch for study abroad. So, so anyways, I digress very much. Um, where was I? Okay. Art history in Rome. Cool. So art history in Rome was taught through the Pontifical University of the Holy Cross or Santa Croce as it's often referred to by people over in Italy. And it was taught by an amazing professor from Germany named Dr. Ralph Van Buren. Dr. Van Buren is one of the most humble and faithful and joyful and childlike and just like outright hilarious professors that you will probably meet in your life. I loved his class so much. All of the 33 other students from St. Thomas loved it as well. Oh my goodness. We had a hoot in every single class. Like, there are so many funny and wholesome and just like, what kind of stories that I could share from those four months in class. Um, Crazy. But I will have to leave you hanging on that because those stories are best shared over coffee or a pint, in my opinion. So... Yeah, you're going to just have to be in Minnesota and, like, yeah, hang out, get coffee. That's good. But, yeah, great class. I loved it. You know, um, I think having taken the Southern Renaissance art class the semester before and also just, like, having spent a ton of time studying Christian art just of my own volition since, I don't know, maybe middle school, um, a lot of the core content and kind of overarching themes that the class covered were pretty familiar to me. And so there was a fair amount of review just in that. But I mean, I was introduced to a ton of examples of Christian art and historical accounts and like all these details and facts that I hadn't learned before that just kind of filled in all of the stuff that was in my head already and made it a thousand times more beautiful and significant and just whole. Yeah, I think I have like three pages of notes from each class that was like an hour and a half long just because like listing different like works of art, different artists, different like cities, different churches, like all these things. So I did learn a lot. It was amazing. And then we also went on site visits in the class, I think maybe twice a month about. Um, and we would just like walk to different churches around Rome. We went to the Vatican Museums. We went to the catacombs in Rome. That was cool. Went to Florence for a weekend. That was also amazing. Y'all, Florence is my city. It was actually the first time that I saw Ghiberti's doors in person. So, you know, that was... My heart was so happy and full, guys. But, yeah. There's actually... This is a sad story. Um, My sister took this photo of me. Like, we went to the Cathedral Museum in Florence... Um, Because that's where the, like, original restored doors are housed. And the ones on the baptistry are replicas so that, you know, they can stand the elements without getting damaged. So she took this photo of me right after we had walked into this giant room where the doors are housed. And I'm just, like, standing in front of the north doors. I have my hand on my heart like this. And I'm literally just, like, with a stupid smile on my face. And, oh my goodness, every time I see it, I just crack up because I'm like, you were in your own little world, weren't you? Um, so funny. No. 
all of the stories I could tell. Cool. So yeah. So we had these site visits. Um, and then for assignments, we just had one two-page paper that we had to write and then a short midterm and final exam. Um, both were pretty easy. Yeah, I think everybody else in the class was very much like, I've never taken our history exam before. What's this going to be like? And yeah, everybody was nervous at first and then they got through it and then they were like, oh, like 20 minutes. I'm fine. It's cool. So yeah, the class was amazing. Dr. Van Buren was amazing. It was just a great, easy, interactive, just such an enjoyable class to take. So yeah. Well, when I when I got back to the States, I was actually asked to write a little article for the Catholic Studies Department kind of newsletter article thing that they do um and just kind of talk about um dr van buren and our, our art class in rome so i'll put a link to that in the show notes if you want to you know more in-depth look into my experience in this class and having dr van buren as a teacher so if you want to learn more i'll put that in the show notes show notes um so couldn't stay in italy forever and i had to go back to america for class which was tragic, I know. Um, but I got to take my first museum studies class when I got back in the fall of 2018. So like it, it was okay. Like I got over it. But Italy is amazing. I definitely going back. Um, but the museum studies program had just been approved that spring um, when I was in Rome. So I took the first core museum studies class, which focuses on exhibitions and collections and structures so i guess more specifically like we learned about exhibition design um collecting of objects accessioning and deaccessioning talked about politics tourism museum organizational structures all of these kinds of things architecture educational initiatives and programs yeah cover kind of all the main bases um and then so kind of these more like theoretical kind of thematic foundational class discussions on these kinds of topics were combined with the practical and experiential components of the class. So we had the opportunity to talk with museum professionals and um, also had the incredible, incredible, incredible opportunity to partner and work with a regional museum to do hands-on projects during the semester. Um, so, and this was because the class was um, designated as, it's called a service learning course, I believe. But so essentially, we work directly with a local museum, the Hennepin History Museum, which is a museum dedicated to kind of preserving and telling the story and history of Hennepin County in Minneapolis. Um, and so we kind of worked with them in helping them do some kind of thing that was beneficial to their mission and institution. And so we um, spent a significant chunk of the class, both meetings and assignments, completed in partnership with the Hennepin History Museum. And it's like the purpose of a community partner in these service learning courses is to have students engage in, you know, real life outside of the classroom learning and then be able to link class materials and discussions and readings and all the things that we're learning with, again, like professional real life practices and skills. And so Working with Hennepin History Museum, we had the opportunity to learn how to catalog an art object, which is typically done, you know, when an object first enters into a collection of museum. But um, let's say the museum was reorganizing, and so they needed help kind of going through all these objects that they had. And so we helped 
each of us were assigned an object in the collection that they were kind of re-labeling, re-sorting, re-kind um, of like putting away. And so we learned how to handle these 50, 60, 70, I don't know, however old objects. We were taught how to measure them, how to label them, describe them, and then we also photographed them, which was awesome. And then for an assignment related to that, we had to write three different labels for our objects of kind of varying amounts and styles of information that visitors would read. And then we had to write a reflection paper and give a final presentation kind of describing our experiences and what we learned and kind of describing our objects. So it was an incredible experience, like nothing that we did working with the Hennepin History Museum could have been taught as well in a classroom. And I think having these really hands-on in-person experiences where you actually are like actively developing skills that you need in that particular line of work is really essential and critical for students today. So I'm grateful for museum studies and being able to take this class and work with Hennepin History Museum. Just a great, really great opportunity. And then in the spring of 2019, so my junior year, yeah, junior crazy how time flies, my goodness. I took the second museum studies core class, which focused on trends, practices, and visitors. So this class investigated kind of some of the critical issues or kind of concerns, things facing museums in the 21st century, and looked at different museum missions and practices and resources and programs, um, and then kind of discussed all of these things in connection to audience and communication and collaboration things, um, both internal and external to the museum. So kind of seeing how museums as institutions both function within um, as, you know, different departments and all these things have to relate in an ecosystem and then how that relates with the greater community, kind of how they're engaging with the, with the visitors outside, with schools, all these different programs that they're providing. So all of that. Um, and then the class was also designated as a service learning course, like the first core class. But this semester, we worked with the Wiseman Art Museum at the University of Minnesota. And we kind of addressed all the ways that museums do, don't, or should represent diverse voices, as well as be inclusive and accessible to different and diverse audiences. And so... Relating to that, our big project for the class was to complete a visitor identity analysis project for the museum. And visitor identities, if it's not self-explanatory, which I, mean, I don't really think that it is. But so visitor identities are essentially kind of the role and purpose and mindset that you have or that you put on before, during, and after each museum visit. So each visitor identity or the visitor identity you have when you go to the museum, looks for different things in a museum, in their visitor experiences, the services they have, all the information they're able to access, all these things, depending on why they're visiting, who they're visiting with, and kind of the goal or effect that they want the visit to have on them and the people that they might be visiting with. So yeah, for our analysis project, we had to <laughs> brave the Minnesota snow for three weeks and also suffer parking at the U for three weeks to explore the museum's visitor services, um, study their exhibitions and collections, the museum design and space, 
also kind of look at their educational programs and initiatives and their community programs and engagement, all these kinds of factors. And then the final final project in the class was to, again, just write this report, essentially assessing how well the museum accommodates different visitor identities and kind of where they really excel and where they might fall short and where there's room for improvement and kind of how they could resolve these gaps for different visitor identities, what would work best for each visitor identity that we had to look at in our papers. So yeah, like with the other class, like working directly with the museum alongside museum professionals, being able to talk to them about their careers and career paths and their jobs and why they work in museum and the position that they do. Um, it's an experience like no other, you know. Um, I enjoyed the side of museum studies a lot, learning about the more visitor side of things. I'm definitely more of a people person than just looking at objects and doing computer stuff. And so it was interesting to see that side of museums and how they kind of function around visitors and for visitors. So it was cool. And then the same spring of 2019, I took an art history class on the history of American architecture and was taught by the chair of the art history department, Dr. Victoria Young, who's one of the most wonderful human beings I know. And this class fulfilled my media studies class requirement and not to repeat myself, but was one of my favorite art history classes. Yeah, we learned about the history of architecture in the U.S. all the way from like Native American structures to colonial buildings to 20th century vernacular homes and architecture to 21st century skyscrapers and like everything in between. We discussed all the different like styles, movements, materials, figures, and architects. Um, we talked about the meaning of home and space and place and kind of how that is changed over time and for different people in different areas of the United States. That was fascinating to think about, just like what home means for us. And then we also discussed more sensitive and difficult topics like slavery and plantations and then discrimination against people of color and against women in the field of architecture and through architectural design even, all these kinds of things. And then final like third of the class, I think it was, we focused on memorials and the role of memory in the built landscape. And our final kind of big project in this class was to actually design a memorial commemorating a local tragedy. So in, I think it was August 1st in 2007, our major local freeway highway 35W um, collapsed into the Mississippi River and 13 people lost their lives. And so we were asked to create this memorial using all the knowledge that we gained over the semester to commemorate this tragedy and also to memorialize the 13 people who, who were killed. And this was such a unique exercise and I think was something that really pushed me and the other students in the class outside of our comfort zones and also made us really think about how we would place ourselves and something that we could create into this discussion of the history of American architecture and of memorials and create something that was meaningful in that, but also specific to this tragedy and to these individuals. And so 
yeah, everybody came up with completely different designs. Like, no design was remotely the same. Um, they all had their own style, their own size and materials used. Each one had a different meaning behind it. There were little things, big things. Like, the range just within this class of, like, 15 people was amazing. And just so beautiful to see how like, we all had this one same assignment, this one event that we were kind of commemorating and seeking to memorialize through some physical element added to the landscape. And yeah, each person just saw it in a completely different way. Um, and they all had their own kind of personal experiences, story, intentions that they infused their memorial with. Yeah, just so beautiful. Victoria actually, the professor, talked about how like this was also her favorite part of the class for precisely that reason of just no two students come up with the same memorial design. Like everybody kind of brings their own story and vision into it and it just shines through in the final project. And it's just so cool to see. Um, so yeah, so we had to come up with our design and then we presented it to the class, to our class members. And I loved hearing about everybody's memorials and the reasons behind it and listening to them explain what each element of their memorial design was for and kind of the intention behind it. Um, which is really cool to hear from all of them. Um, so yeah, I guess I should explain my design, I guess. And I'll include a picture on the Instagram post after this, but my design was very artistic and personal. The title of my memorial was Waves of Remembrance, which is significant for a couple reasons. One, obviously, when the bridge collapsed, it collapsed into the Mississippi River. So I wanted to reference the water element. And then Two, um, water is just significant locally. We have in Minnesota just this like long history of Native American presence in, in the land of the land. And so water is very significant in Native American culture and religiosity. And we have these intersections of rivers like all around us here. And so just kind of referencing also that local history element. And then three, this is kind of a more personal side. Um, like, if you've ever lost somebody before, you know that grief will come in waves. And so for the families that lost a loved one on that day, I wanted to create this space that recognized the fact that the wound of a loss never really heals fully and doesn't really go away. And that there will be days and moments where, you know, all these emotions, all this sadness and this loss comes flooding back in. and. All you can really do when that happens is to just kind of sit in it, sit with it, and remember the person that is no longer with you. And so, yeah, I wanted to create a space that really allowed for them to do just that, to just sit and remember. So my design kind of looked like a wave when it's like curling over as it gets closer to the shore and was made of all different shades of blue glass that was kind of supported by this steel frame and one side of this wave or memorial design was kind of like a curved wall that arched over a little bit almost like an alcove and the panels on that one had the names and the memorial descriptions of the 13 people who died in this um, bridge collapse and then the other side is more like a I don't know they met in the middle, so like makes sense on the video. Hopefully it'll show. So like you had the one kind of like curved alcove and then they met in the middle and then there's like this um 
covered area, seating area, and so that kind of covered seating area um, was going to have benches underneath it that kind of provided a space just for those moments of wanting to just sit with your memories, your emotions, and with that person and just kind of let it all wash over you. Like I said, I'll, I'll post a picture of the design on my Instagram page so you can actually see what it looked like and what my inspirations were for it and all that good stuff. And then in the fall of 2019, my goodness, senior year, I took a theology class on theology and art, and that covered my modern art requirement for the major. And this was definitely an interesting class. I mean, yeah, professor was a Protestant, um, theology teacher, just a smart, kind of quirky guy. We become super animated and excited in class when we got to things that like you just like didn't know or that he really liked and he would just his voice would get really high pitched and got super excited um he could throw out bible references like no other teacher i have ever had and would always bring up scripture to talk about the art that we were looking at um and make biblical references and that was amazing i love that so much and the class was kind of similar to the Rome semester in that like a lot of the art history stuff that we covered was familiar to me, but looking at art specifically through a theological lens was definitely new. And then also half of the class focused on music. And I'm not a music person, like not music inclined, musically inclined, not musically talented. Like I listen to it, but I'm not good at it. But so focusing on music and like learning how people over time have just like infused their like musical compositions with theological themes and meaning and messages from Augustine talking about music in the 400s to Hildegard of Bingen in the 1100s and her musical pieces that she would create um talked about spirituals in the black and african-american community all the way up to like U2 um did you know U2's music was spiritual because I didn't like that was crazy we talked about um, Jesus Christ Superstar. We watched that document. That document. It was not a documentary. That film. I don't know. Comedy. Whatever. In class. And that was funny. Um, don't think I'm ever going to watch that movie again. But it was interesting. You know? Like. Interesting. That's just a. Yeah. Minnesota word. It's interesting. Yeah. It was cool. Um, but yeah, so then we had a couple papers that we had to write as part of the class. One was a visual analysis paper, which I wrote on the doors. Snuck that in there. Um, one was a musical analysis paper, which I wrote on John Bellion's song, Hand of God. Which if you've never heard before, seriously, go listen to that. Um, that's such a good song. That whole album, if you listen to it from start to finish, like... Oh my gosh, John Bellion is my pop crush. Like, his music is amazing. Um, and then for our final paper and presentation, we, like, would select a work of art or architecture or a musical piece, something that um, we could analyze from a theological lens using a theological analysis. Um, so I chose to write my paper on the mural that I actually wrote my artistry senior paper on. And so did those assignments and then we had a midterm and a final exam that just kind of reviewed the material, nothing too complicated. Yeah, so that was that class. And then the spring, 
my last semester, I took an Arts of the African Diaspora class, which fulfilled the other four credits of the global art requirement in my art history major. And this class explored art produced in the African diaspora from the period of slavery until today. And the Arts of the African Diaspora, that's essentially um, works that were created by men and women who are of African descent, but live outside of Africa. So you can just Google what diaspora means. It's yeah, just a displaced people, essentially people who no longer live in their ancestral homeland. Um, so yeah, um, and we looked at art of all different types and mediums. Um, we looked at pottery, quilts and textiles, um, painting, sculpture, photography, um, architecture, performance art, all the things, you know. Um, and then we investigated the cultural and artistic survival of African arts in the Americas, um, kind of as they were taken from Africa and brought to the United States, all of that, and kind of how African-American art practices have developed in their expression over the last century, 120 years or so. And then one of the critical components of the class, which I think was difficult, but also a really, really good critical thing to do, was to consider and dissect all the ways in which different constructions of race have had an impact on the training and education, as well as the opportunity and successes of artists and on art patronage, and also like by extension, ultimately on art history and art historical analysis. You know, how people thought about race historically affects um, what we learn, what we study, and what we're learning about today. And books that we have access to, um, stories that we know, all these things are, were affected by that. So yeah, learned a lot. Uh, overall, it was a pretty good class. Things got a little confusing and tense once um, COVID shutdowns happened in March. Um, but I mean, I learned a lot about arts and artists of the African diaspora and just also about being a professor and like how I want to engage with students both inside and outside of the classroom. So definitely a good experience. Um, yeah. And then also in the spring, oh my goodness, I took the final core requirement of my art history degree, my senior paper presentation. Uh, that was bittersweet. Um, yeah, I'm going to devote a whole episode to that topic in mid-October. Super excited for y'all. Um, but I wrote my senior paper on this mural of St. Thomas Aquinas down at the University of St. Thomas in Houston, Texas. That was painted by a very well-known local artist, graffiti artist, muralist, all the things, and kind of wrote about the history of the relationship between arts and religion and the relationship specifically between arts and Catholicism throughout history. Then I interviewed people from the university um, down in Houston, um, talked with students, and even got the chance to interview the artist to really write the story of the mural. And then I close the paper off by describing my vision and kind of argument for the development of a contemporary religious vernacular arts tradition through activating and embracing the power of urban art within faith-based communities and institutions today. So that was that. Awesome. Super excited for mid-October. I love my senior paper topic. 
And then this summer, I did an independent study working with Victoria, um, Victoria Young, to fulfill the last requirement of my museum studies minor. Crazy. Like, this is it, y'all. So, for the independent study, I wanted to assess kind of all the museum responses to COVID-19 shutdowns. And so, I chose four museums, Colonial Williamsburg in Virginia, the Philbrook Museum of Art and Gardens in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Talked about the Minneapolis Institute of Art, or MIA, here in Minneapolis. Um, And then the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York City. And I essentially just took like an in-depth look into what online and virtual resources and activities each museum offered people while they were at home and while the museums were closed down. And then I wrote a five-page paper reflecting on and assessing all of their online content and offerings for visitors. Um, I wrote the, a paper for each museum that I looked at and then shared my findings, I guess you could say, with Victoria in the form of a presentation. And so that was that. It was a great experience and opportunity um, and definitely very interesting to focus on a topic that was changing literally as you're studying it. Yeah, two of the museums that I was looking at opened in the course of the summer. And so bringing in also kind of how they were combining both their online and virtual presence with kind of the in-person experiences and services that they were offering to visitors who were ready to come back into the museum space. That was amazing. If I'd known how good an independent study would be, I definitely would have asked to do one earlier in my academic career. I know two professors brought it up to me and I was like, I don't know, I'll think about it, but didn't really take it seriously because I didn't know if it was going to be good or if like it was just going to be too intense or I don't know what. But so if you're in college right now, if you're a student and a professor suggests that you do an independent study or even just asks you to do one with them, definitely consider it seriously. Yeah, it's a great experience. You develop your skills as a student and an academic and get to just dive into a topic that interests you and then be able to like share what you find because you're kind of taking on the role of the teacher in these independent studies and you're doing the research, learning about the topic and then sharing the knowledge that you've gained with the professor that you're working with. So yeah, just do it if you have the chance. So yeah, that was that class. Y'all, we made it through a whole four years of my degree. Can you believe it? It's crazy looking back. You know where I was four years ago and where I am now and kind of all the things that I, all the skills that I've gained, knowledge that I've learned, um, all the things. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Ugh. Wow. I don't even know what to say thinking about this. Um, so yeah, now you have a good idea of what kinds of classes and topics and assignments go into earning your art history degree. and also know a bit more about me and my time at university and some of my art loves so i will close there since i think we're over an hour into this for sure so yeah thanks for listening i hope you enjoyed the episode as much as i did if you did enjoy the episode just be sure to like follow and subscribe to the podcast and then be sure to check out my page on instagram at girl with an art history degree so you can enjoy even more art history content and up to date on all things related to the podcast so yeah thanks again for listening to the episode and i will catch you next tuesday to start our discussion about a timeline of art history see you all later (laughs) bye